Hey guys, this is Pastor Josh from Fresh Church. We are so excited that you are joining us for our podcast today. I do want to tell you that we pray at Fresh Church that you would get involved in the local church in your city. The Bible says that those that plant themselves in the house of the Lord will flourish. And a podcast and an online experience, a YouTube uh, sermon is amazing, but it does not replace the local church, the hope of the world, the community, the family that God has placed all of us in. And so we hope you find that and we hope you enjoy this message today. Have you here with us today? And today I want to start off by I want you to think about Jesus for a moment. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, the sweetest name that there is. The name of Jesus. Now, what comes to mind when you think about Jesus? For different people, there's different things that come to mind. For some people, when you thought of Jesus, you automatically thought Savior. Because he is your Savior. But for other people, you know, maybe you were just like, or maybe somebody you know, which is like, oh man, Jesus is just a good man. He was a good dude lived the earth, taught some really good principles. But then for some of you, you'd be like, no, he changed the world. Like, no, man, you don't get it. Like, when we talk about Jesus, like, he literally changed everything. But then for others of you, you would just say, man, nah, man, he was just another prophet. He was kind of crazy in all actuality. Like, he claimed to be God. Like, like, who else do you know that claims to be God? If you know anyone else that claims to be God, then they're either what? Um, a lunatic? They're either crazy out of their mind, they're a liar, or they're God. Like, that's it. And Jesus claimed to be God in flesh. And for some of you, when I said the name Jesus, that's what you thought, God in flesh. But whatever your thoughts on Jesus are today, there's no denying that Jesus was a real historical person and that his life has affected the world. His life has affected the world. I mean, I want you to think about it. No other person's story on the face of humanity has changed the world like Jesus did. From film, to music, to art, to healthcare, to education. I can make a cause to every single one of you today how Jesus is actually the center of all of those things. But, but that's not the bigger question. The big question that I have for us today is if Jesus is who he says he is, and if Jesus can do what he says he can do, then how do I get close to him? Like, if this is really true, if there is this guy on the face of humanity that is, when you study Jesus, that is who he says he is, and can do what he says he can do, then how do I get close to him? How do I line up? How do I go, I want to be in that guy's life? And not just like in his life, but like a major part of what he's doing and what he is about. How do I get close to Jesus? And here's what I know about getting close to someone. Um, coming to church and being close to Jesus are two different things. Saying you know Jesus and actually being close to Jesus is another thing. It's like saying I know of a celebrity, but then when I actually know the celebrity and I'm in his house eating nachos and cutting jokes and I call him every single day and I'm like, bro, man, what's going on? And he's like, I don't know, man, what's going on with you? And I'm like, man, I just heard that album drop, man. That was awesome, man. What did you do on that? How are you feeling, man? And he's like, man, I don't know. I don't even know if it's going to get anywhere. I don't know if it's going to be released. 
listen to the world and, and if anybody's going to listen to it or whatever. Like I'm actually listening and having a dialogue and having a conversation with somebody that I actually know. I'm not just looking on Wikipedia and knowing facts about that person, but I'm in his house and I know him and I have legit conversation and I wonder how many people know about Jesus but don't actually know him. Are not legit close to him. Because they're afraid to get close to him. They're actually afraid to get close to Jesus. But it's kind of mind-blowing because Jesus has opened up his arms and he says this in Matthew chapter 11 verse 28. Come to me. Hey, come to me. And what? I will refresh, fresh church, I will refresh your life. For I am your oasis. He says, come to me. Think about that. That's an amazing statement that God in flesh would make. It's a game-changing statement. Because at the time, all they knew was the Roman gods who were the gods of death. All of these other gods that all you did was serve them. There was no other God that says, come to me. Get close to me. Every other religion is, no, I am God and you are not. Stay away from me. Jesus changes the game when he says, come to me. Here's the truth that you need to know about your relationship with Jesus. Here's the truth you need to know about Jesus. Jesus wants you close. Jesus wants you close. He came to earth so that you could be close to God, so that you could be close to Him, so that you could be close to His Spirit. The truth is, if Jesus had a house, not only would you be in His house eating nachos and having refrigerator rights with Him. Anybody else had refrigerator rights in somebody's house? It's the best thing ever, right? Like, I, I had a best friend growing up in high school. It didn't even matter if he was there. I could just walk in, and it didn't matter if his parents were there, because I had refrigerator rights, right? So I go in, I get me some uh, something to drink, I get me a little Debbie cake or whatever it was in their in their little you know cabinet, and then I'd go on their couch and I'd be like, boom, watching ESPN or whatever show, eating, and then Aaron Staley's mama would come home and she'd be like, oh hi Josh, how are you? Hey Miss Staley, what's up? I got refrigerator rights, remember? <laughs> yes, you do. Now you can leave. <laughs> but Jesus doesn't say that. He's like, not only would you have refrigerator house rights, but you would actually have a key to my house. That's how close I want you. You can come to me any time. So if Jesus has actually said draw close to him, then what keeps us from him? I, I believe the first thing is that we think that we're going to be disappointed. You don't want to be disappointed by Jesus. You don't want to be disappointed by God. Hey, have you ever, like, wanted something really, really bad, and then when you receive it, you were disappointed? <laughs> like, like, I remember one time I was on a mission trip, and we were in Utah, and we were working so hard and all through the week, and I just wanted a big glass of sweet tea. And I was like 20 years old, and we go into this Wendy's, right? 
and, and, and we're getting ready to order. And so I order, and I'm like, I want some sweet tea with my order. What do you want to drink? Sweet tea. And, 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 and I knew that they didn't have sweet tea in Utah. But this Wendy, so she didn't say anything different, right? So she was like, yeah, okay, cool. Here you go. Um, sweet tea. She don't even know what sweet tea is, apparently. Because they gave me the sweet tea, right? And have you ever had that moment where you think you're drinking something, only to be it's not the thing that you think that you actually are going to be drinking? And I remember just being like, oh, manna from heaven, sweet tea in the south, dear Lord Jesus, you blessed it. And then all of a sudden, I took a big old gulp of that, and I immediately was like, ah, what in the world is this? This is not sweet tea. And I walk up and I'm like, hey, y'all said you had sweet tea. He's like, we don't have sweet tea. What is sweet tea? Here's a pack of sugar, bro. Go ahead. I was so disappointed because I was hoping for something that I was really, really, really thinking that I was going to get because she told me that they had sweet tea there, right? Even though she didn't say that, she gave it to me. And I was so disappointed. And, and, and we all have those moments in our lives. Like for some of us, you wanted to be really good at school, but you had a bad experience with a teacher, and that teacher labeled you as dumb. And so that's why you have not excelled in education or in life because a grade school teacher spoke something over to you, and you were disappointed because you said, oh, man, I want to be so smart. But then you were so disappointed to hear that you were not. You wanted to get close to another person. Some of you, you want to be married so bad. You want to be in a relationship with somebody so bad. But your parents continually disappointed you in the way that you watched them be married or the way that their marriage ended up in a divorce. And so every time you begin to go on a date and it's awesome and things are going well, then you self-destruct it. And you can't get close to that person because you don't want to be disappointed. You had a dream for a great business venture, but then a dishonest partner disappointed you, damaged your trust. And you're to the point now where your ability to build the next dream that God has in your hands, you can't even do it. Because you can't even get started. Because you were disappointed once, so why go do it again? Maybe at some point you had an interaction with a mean-spirited, arrogant person that convinced you that Jesus doesn't love you. That convinced you that the church is evil and that the Bible cannot be trusted. And what you're going through, you see your life right now, that's proof of it all. And you believed it. And you were disappointed. And you turned your back on ever walking toward Jesus again. And if that's you today, then you need to listen to these scriptures because just like my good friend Kayla told us a couple of weeks ago, Psalms chapter 22, verse 5, it says, Every time they cried out to you in their despair, you were faithful to deliver them. You didn't disappoint them. Oh, wait, there's more. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 14. This hope living within you will never disappoint you. Romans chapter 5, verse 5. Let's go to the New Testament. It's not just in the Old Testament. This hope is not a disappointing fantasy because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. What a scripture right there. Some of y'all need to memorize that one. 
Romans chapter 10, verse 11, for the scriptures encourages us with these words. Everyone who believes in him will never be disappointed. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 6, for it says in scripture, look, I lay a cornerstone in Zion, a chosen and precious stone, and whoever believes in him will certainly not be disappointed. So the truth is your teacher may have disappointed you, but God will not. The truth is that your parents' marriage may have disappointed you, but God never will. You, 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 the truth is that that dream that you were chasing after and that partner disappointed you, well, you can go after the next dream and don't put your trust in a partner. You put your trust in God, and he will see the dream through because he will not disappoint you. The truth is that person who told you that God is disappointing, the truth is that according to the Scripture, that we have a hope that will never disappoint. So the first step to drawing closer to Jesus is to believe that God will not disappoint you. But here's the second thing that I think that keeps us from really getting close to Jesus. We think that God has deserted us. We believe that God has forgotten us. And I believe every single person, no matter how long you've been walking in your faith, there's a moment where the enemy comes into your head and says, God has forgotten about you. God has totally deserted you. But some of us recover from that moment and some don't. We lose the job. God, where are you? I've been applying for weeks now. It doesn't seem like you're ever going to show up again. You've deserted me. You know my bills. You know what I got coming. The one that we love decides to leave. God, why have you forgotten me? I, I will never find love like that again. The person that we're praying intensely for God to heal dies anyways and we are sitting there going God are you even there you know the prayers that I've been praying for this person and you took them anyways why did you desert me why we step out and we begin to chase a dream that we know in our hearts that God has called us to and it gets hard and it doesn't look like it's ever going to turn out in the way that it's supposed to turn out in your mind and so you're like hello <laughs> hey God do you not see me down here I'm faithfully serving you I'm faithfully doing everything I'm, I'm walking in obedience you said that this would happen if I did this but God you are not there where are you I want to take you to a time in Scripture where this exact thing was going on. It's in the story of Isaiah, chapter 49, verses 14 through 16. Jerusalem says, the Lord has deserted us. The Lord has forgotten us. See, in the book of Isaiah, God's people have been exiled to Babylon. But the reason why they were exiled to Babylon is not because of God's judgment although that was part of it it was actually because they were chasing after the wrong things and that's what led them to exile have you ever been chasing after the wrong things and maybe that's why you feel like you're in exile
because you've been busy getting closer to something or someone that will never really give you what you're looking for. The Israelites were busy trying to get close to something that would never really fulfill them, would never really give them what God's promise to them would fulfill. This week I was doing some studying for this sermon and I came across a story from one of my mentors and he, he, he said that when he was in college, he had just given his life to Jesus three months earlier and he was sitting there and he was talking to this girl who was really just chasing after the wrong things. Someone. And, 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 and he, he looked at this girl and this girl said, I'm going to give up on my faith. I don't want it anymore. I'm disappointed. God's deserted me. He's totally forgotten about me. And he looked at her and he goes, no, you're just chasing after the wrong things. And he, she goes, okay, well, if God loves me, if God has not forgotten about me, if God has not deserted me, then make it snow today, God. And there is no snow in the forecast. <laughs> And he said, I don't know if it was just my young faith or just my naivety or my complete stupidity, but I looked at this girl and I said, God will make it snow today. <laughs> and so he ran back to his dorm room and immediately he got on his knees. He's like, okay, God, you have to make it snow today. God, please, God, please make it snow. Please make it snow. I don't even know what I just did, God, but you got to make it snow today. Come on, please, Jesus. If you're real, please, 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 please. This is going to be proof. This is going to be awesome. God, you got to make it snow. And then all of a sudden he took a nap. <laughs> He's like, I was praying so hard, I just had to take a nap. And, and, and then two hours later, his roommate comes in. And, 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 and by this time, a bunch of people on campus have heard about this kind of thing, you know. And so he, say, he, goes, he goes, hey, have you heard about this? Oh, have you looked out the window yet? He's like, no, man, I've been asleep. And he goes, oh, man, I thought this was the time when my roommate was just going to laugh in my face and tell me how stupid I was. But I opened up the curtain, and snow was everywhere. Why? Because one person needed to know that God will not desert. That God will not forget about you. That God had not forgotten about her. That is absolutely amazing. I mean, we say things like, well, God's forgotten about me. The Lord has deserted me. But the reality is this. I mean, I want you to think about this. Why was the universe created? You ever really thought about it? Why was the universe created? Was the universe created for God? Does God, like, really need the universe? No, the universe was created for you and me. Do, do, do you see that? The whole entire universe that we live in was created for you and me. And so when we're mad at the universe, when we're mad at God, and we feel like the universe is against us, the universe, the whole entire universe is against me. God is against me. Everybody has forgotten me. The universe has forgotten about me. Did you know that you're really stating an impossibility? Because the truth is the universe was created for you. God created everything for you. The universe cannot be against you because it was made for you. The universe cannot desert you or forget you because it was made for you. Think about it. God doesn't need oxygen, but he created the universe 
so that oxygen would be created. So every time you even breathe in air, guess what you should be thinking? God is for me. God created the universe with food. Does he need food? No. He doesn't need food. Who needs food? We need food. So he created a universe where food could be in abundance. And so every time we eat, we should say, God is for me. Does God ever get thirsty? Does he need water to drink? No. Who does? You do. We do. So every time we take a sip of water, we should actually be thinking, God is for me. Because he created this water. It is an impossibility that God is against you. Because everything that we see was created for you and me. Now, he gets glory from everything that he created, but it wasn't created for him. It was created because we are weak human beings that need the universe. He doesn't need it. So everything he made is this beautiful cycle of him saying, I love you. I'm for you. I created all of this for you. You see, beloved, God has not forgotten about you. And this passage in Isaiah goes on to say that. It says that God is never not thinking about us. Look, listen to what it says. Isaiah chapter 49, verses 14 through 15. Jerusalem says, you say, the Lord has deserted me. The Lord has forgotten about me. But what does the Lord say? Never. Never say never. Come on, Justin Bieber fans. See, the Lord, the Lord taught that girl that day who wanted it to snow, never have I left you. You think I've left you? Never would I desert you. He says, never, never says the Lord on your worst day when you thought that you were at the end of your rope and you were thinking about doing something to yourself that you would regret for the rest of your life. On your worst day of depression and anxiety and thinking that the world has been just totally lost and nobody loves you, never, says the Lord. Never. Man, this is especially good news for people like me because I'm a dreamer. I got a lot of dreams inside my heart, and, and I try to love people very deeply. And, and, and there's been times where, where um, just as a human, hey, let me just say, say, if you're a human in here and you love deeply, you're going to get hurt. You know why? Because humans are funny. <laughs> people are funny, and you're funny too, Right? How many people, you're like, oh, I love you forever. I'm going to be your best friend forever. And then six months later, you're like, I don't even know that person anymore. You've done that to somebody too. You've deserted somebody in their time of need. I know I have. I have forgotten about somebody. Maybe I don't do that intentionally, but I've done it. And so have you. So there's been many times that I've had heartbreak in my life. There's been many times where I put myself out there and, and, and they still left. 
There's been many times when I made the phone call and I'm like, I don't understand this and, and they're not there any longer. There's been many times where I wanted a relationship with my earthly father and he still would not give that back to me. There's been many times. There's been many times where I felt like I was just lying in the floor and I've got to turn on some depressing song to listen to to just go with the mood that's going because you know you need mood music when you're in that part, right? And, and there's been many times where I was like, God, you forgot about me. You deserted me, and I'm lying on the floor, and I'm crying, and I will never be the same. And in that moment, I have to repeat to myself, never will I leave you, Josh. Never. Never have I forgotten about you. Did you know this is actually a sworn oath? that he took all the way back in Genesis. Genesis chapter 19, he's talking to Abraham, verses 7 through 8. He says, I will confirm my covenant. What is a covenant? An oath with you and your descendants after you. That includes you and me, by the way, through the work of Jesus on the cross. From generation to generation, this is the everlasting covenant. So what does that mean? He made an everlasting covenant that he will not forget you. That he will not forget me. It is in his nature to always keep his promises to humanity. It is in his nature. If he doesn't keep his covenant, he's not God. He took an oath in Genesis. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. I will always be your God no matter what you do. I will always be your God no matter what you believe. I will always be your God even if you don't chase after me. I am still your God no matter what. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. I will always be right by your side. Get close to me. This has been a forever oath, even though God's kids ran, even though God's kids kicked against him, even though they have been unfaithful, yet still, God says, in the rest of this chapter in Isaiah 49, 15, he goes, you've been unfaithful, sure, but can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for the child she has born? But even if that were possible, I would not forget you. You say, well, that's a possibility. He goes, yeah, it's a possibility that a mother would do that. It's a slim one. But even if that were true, I would not forget you. There's something that I believe that you need to get up in the morning and tell yourself. You need to look in the mirror. One of the first things that you need to do. Because you got to declare things over your life. Because the enemy is going to declare things over you. So what are you declaring over you? That's actually true. And here's one of the things that I believe that I need to start declaring. God cannot forget me. God has not forgotten me. I am not forgotten. 
I am at the forefront of God's mind. The very universe around me is a sign that God is for me because it was made for me. Jesus is proof that God is for me because there is a historical reality of a man named Jesus and he is historical proof that God is for you. It may feel like I'm forgotten. I may feel like I'm deserted. But the truth is, God will not forget me. Never, he says. Never will you be forgotten. And when you feel like God has deserted you, that's a lie. Just go ahead and say it. Anytime you feel like God's forgotten you or deserted you, it's a lie that you need to immediately rebuke and tell yourself the truth. Because it's keeping you from getting close to God. So if disappointment is one of the things that would keep you from getting close to God, and this feeling of abandonment and being deserted and forgotten keeps you from being close to God, well, what will help you get close to God? The answer is in the rest of this scripture. And here's the thing that I believe, one of the things that will will help you get close to God. Believe that God thinks way more of you than you think of him. Woo! What if you just believe that God thinks way more of you than you think of him? Because this is what he says in Isaiah chapter 49, verse 16. He tells Jerusalem here, he tells Israel here, I have written your name on the palms of my hands. Whoa. Just like a tattoo. Jordan Sparks, come on. I love this because I like to think about it. What's he referring to here? Because I believe this is a foreshadowing of what Jesus is going to do on the cross. That you say, well, well, God can't really have every single name tattooed on the the palm of his hand. Well, who, who knows, A, how big God really is, so maybe he could. But I believe it's also a foreshadowing of what God is going to do through his son, Jesus when Jesus' hands would be nailed to the cross. And every single time we think that God has deserted us, he says, no, my child, I am in heaven. And every time I look down at my hands, I see you. Your name is written on the palm of my hands. How much more do I have to prove that I love you? How much more do I have to do to draw you close to me? Do you not see every single time I look down on my hands, I see the sacrifice that I made on the cross. I see the redemption of you. I see the wholeness of you. I see the purity of you. I see the righteousness of you. I see everything that I've done for you. I've literally written your name on the palm of my hand. That's how much I love you. That's how much I want you close to me. Charles Spurgeon, the old theologian, said, I cannot work. I cannot even open the palm of my hand without seeing the memorials of my chosen people. I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Another theologian said, his heart does not come and go toward the sons and daughters of men. Whom once he loves, he never leaves, but loves them to the end. Whom once he loves, he never leaves, 
but loves them to the end. He has written your name in the palm of his hand. Believe it and see how much closer you will get to him. But not only has he written your name on the palm of his hand, the other thing you need to believe in order to get close to God is God is never not thinking of you restored and whole. Come on. See, some of you think that God just sees you in your sin, that God just sees you in your moment that you had last night that was not pretty. That some of you just sees your drunken self from college. That's what God sees. That some of you see, that you believe that God just sees you in your sin. That God cannot love you. That you cannot draw close to him because of the way that you see yourself. But can I tell you that God doesn't see you the way that you see you. He sees you the way he sees you. How does he say that he sees Jerusalem? Always in my mind is a picture of Jerusalem's walls in ruins. You think I've forgotten about you, Jerusalem? You think I've forgotten about your walls that lie in ruins? You think I've forgotten about you? When your life is in ruins and shambles and it's on the ground and you don't even know how to clean up the mess, I've not forgotten about you. There's not a moment that goes by in my mind Always on my mind is my people's lives that are in ruins. And I'm not just sitting there thinking, oh, their life is in ruin. No, I've already got the plan to bring restoration. I've already got a plan to bring restoration. Always in my mind. I love that. That he's like, Josh, when you think that your life is in ruins, you just need to trust me. You just need to hold on. Because I've already got a plan of how we're going to fix this mess. Come on, Josh. Come on, church. I've already got a plan of how you think that your life is in ruins and it's on the ground and it can never be rebuilt. I've already got a plan of how I'm going to restore that to you. How I'm going to bring back what the locust has restored in your life. How I'm going to bring redemption and forgiveness of all of that. His name is Jesus. Draw close to me. You need to believe that always in the mind of God is your life in ruins without him. And he will always be there to make you whole and bring you back. So the truth is that there is never not a time when God will disappoint you when he will leave you when he's not looking at his hands and thinking of you when he doesn't see the ruins of our lives there's never a moment so if all that's true wouldn't you want to draw close to a God like that? So as the band comes back up here, I want you to close your eyes for a moment.
You ever had a friend that you lost touch with? But they didn't lose touch with you? And they keep calling you every now and then? And you keep sending them to voicemail? Because you're like, I just don't know if I can have that conversation. But one day you pick up the call. And your, your friend's like, what's going on? Did you not receive my calls? Yeah, yeah, I did, man. I, I just, I was just busy. I was just. He goes, that's cool. But you need to know, like, you, you may have run away from my friendship, but I've not run away from you. I, I can deal with us not being in communication. I, I can deal with a lot of stuff, but what I can't deal with is you not picking up the phone anymore because I want to be close to you. I want to be your friend. And for some of you, that's exactly where you are right now in this moment. God has been calling you. He's been leaving you voicemails. He's been going, don't you see that sky out there that I created just for you? Don't you see that person that I have brought into your life telling you to come close to me, to draw close back to me? I've been leaving you voicemails every single day, and you've been just sending it there. You're not even listening to the voicemail that I've been leaving you. And so today's the day that you finally pick up the phone and know that I am here, and I want to be close to you. Don't send me to voicemail any longer. Don't send God's Spirit to voicemail any longer. Because when you pick up the phone, you're not going to find a friend that is mad you're not going to find a friend that's like, well, fine, this relationship's over if you're not going to call me back. No, you're going to find a God. Because it doesn't matter that you haven't picked up anymore. Man, praise God that you finally did. Oh, my gosh, I love you. I know after the, the past six months that you've been kind of running away from this, you've, you've messed up. But I'm a God that looks at an adulterous woman and says, does anyone not condemn you when you should have been condemned? And she says, no, Lord, there's no one left. And Jesus looks at her and says, well, neither do I. Go and leave your life of sin. Can I tell you that that's what he's saying to you today? Neither do I. I don't condemn you. I love you. I created a whole entire universe just so that you could know that I love you. I just want to be close to you. I will not disappoint. I will not desert you. I've written your name on the palms of my hands. 
in my mind is a picture of your ruins restored and whole. So return to me. Draw close to me. And I, the Lord, will draw close to you. So if that's you today, and you think the Lord is going to disappoint you, you think the Lord's deserted you, and that's why you haven't run to Him, that's what's keeping you from being close to Him, would you, first of all, if you're a believer, would you rebuke those lies right now? But if you're not, and you were just curious, and somebody invited you to come to church today, or, or maybe you believed in religion but you've never really, really drawn close to Jesus. And today's a day that he goes, I want to draw you close. You who thought you were saved, but you don't really feel like you have refrigerator rights. You don't really feel like you could just come barge into my house and watch ESPN and get something out of the fridge, whatever it is. I, I need you to know I've got the keys to that freedom that you're looking for. And that's not found in religion. That's found in a relationship with me. And so wherever that you are, whether you need that to draw close to God for the very first time or whether you've been going to church for a long time but you've never been that close to Him, I want you just to say this. Say, Jesus, I want to be close to you. No longer you at a distance. No longer you at an arm's length. Draw me close. Closer than a brother. Closer than anything. Change my heart through your love. Forgive me of believing that you've deserted me. Forgive me of believing that you would disappoint me. Lord, I draw close to you from this day on, say that, for the rest of my life. And I will live for you and for your purpose. You said that, the Bible says that there's angels rejoicing in heaven right now. There's angels rejoicing in heaven right now. Our prayer team is going to come up here and during the song, if you feel like you're...